0: Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. How about that for a double today? 23, 23. Uh, Now, I I get emails. Uh, Pastor Stephen, I'm getting double numbers. What does this mean? 23, 23. What does it mean? It means pay your tithe. Hallelujah. (laughs) Pastor Stephen, because I I get the emails all the time. I'm getting, uh, there's always symbolic reference to that. I used to get 11-11 all the time, 11-11. And I, I, know, I know exactly what that means. Then I was getting 111. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out the 111. So I'm sitting uh, in the office with the pastor after I'd ministered at his church. And I hadn't said anything about this. I'm just sitting there relaxing in his, in his, his private study. He, and he just, out of the blue, he says, Stephen, I just want you to know that if you're getting 111, I want to tell you what that means. And I uh, looked at my watch, and he was telling me what it meant at exactly 111. Uh, and so, uh, all of these things, there, there's prophetic meaning attached to all these things. God's trying to talk to you. And so, it's important that we have understanding of this. That somewhere in the scripture, you get these numbers, there's something in the scripture. Here's one I get the emails on often also 444. I've seen 444. I wake up, Pastor Stephen, 444. I turn around. For what's going on? I know what 444 is. But all of these things are a little bit of a different message with prophetic symbolism. But here's a good double for you 2323. Praise God. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. We all know what a hypocrite is, right? Somebody that says something, but then doesn't either live it or practices something completely different. Uh, for you pay tithe. Mm. Uh, notice the phrase pay tithe. In other words, he doesn't say you give tithe. He's here, he here says under the, what we would call the Mosaic Law, the Old Covenant system, it was really viewed by the Israelites as paying tithe. In other words, it's an obligation. <laughs> you have to do this. Why? Because under the law, it uh, it was based on a reward system. In other words, if you did this, God does this. Uh I highly prefer the grace standard, uh, because we all miss it. Really, the law was also a system of teaching the people of Israel, uh, this is a standard that is so high, you can't keep it. Okay, but nevertheless, you had a you had a code, you had a law, you do this, and thus these blessings will be imparted into your life. If you don't do this, you're in hot water. Uh, but also remember that even before God gave the law to Moses, Abraham... You know, hundreds of years before uh, Moses, he was already tithing, okay? And you see Isaac, you see Jacob, you see Jacob being the tither, Israel. Jacob's name changed to Israel. So this was something they understood uh, as a walk of faith before it was ever kind of, as we would say, now you've got to do it, okay? Now, uh, we'll talk about the grace aspect in just a moment. Uh, If you're watching me from Germany, uh, you know what I'm talking about if you've ever been uh, Lutheran, and of course most Germans are, because it's the government church, right? The go- uh, maybe we should say it like this, the government sanctioned religion. So, you know, Germany's got some pretty high taxes, and your taxes can easily float up to 45%. That almost sounds like America. For Praise <laughs> the Lord. I believe we're going to get that down here in America. We need a tax reformation code. But nevertheless, in Germany, almost half your paycheck is gone. It goes, it goes to your taxes, your income taxes, 45%. But if you belong, praise God, to the Lutheran Church, and you're an official member of the Lutheran Church, those of you watching from Germany, what does the government do? They automatically take the tithe out of your income. And if, and if, you, uh, if you want membership um, with the sanctioned church of the government, you've got the tithe, and they will take it out They'll take it out. Woo! What, what does the government do with it? They keep all the beautiful buildings looking beautiful. I'm talking about church buildings, Lutheran church buildings only, of course. And they, they also make sure that the pastors, uh, the, the, uh, the clergy, are paid. And they get paid pretty good. They get paid pretty good. I, I've been there, ministered in, in even um, uh, some of these old denominational buildings. Praise God. Very, very beautiful. Well taken care of. But, of course, not all the Germans who are Lutherans were happy about that. I was around one good old German Lutheran. Boy, he was grumbling about it. He didn't like it. He didn't like it that the government took that 10% out. What is this? This is a force-extracted tithe. Mm. He didn't like it. I don't even know if he was saved, actually. (laughs) Bless his heart. (laughs) But here's the thing. You want the tithe not under a law, not under, you'd better do it or else, but you really want to do it out of love and faith. Do you see that? And so that's the aspect of the New Covenant. But still look at what Jesus said re- regarding the Pharisees. You pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. How many of you have ever had a vegetable garden? And maybe you even grow some herbs. And you, you grow these nice little things that you would use for your personal use. You know, they were taking the tithe even out of their mint. And they would bring that to the temple. That's pretty you talking about crossing your T's and dotting your I's. They had it dialed in on the tithe. And that was just a common understood thing. Because if people don't tithe, then the priests can't come to the temple and work. Then the Levites, who are the servants at the temple, they can't work. The whole thing collapses. And so they understood that you, you just need the tithe. And Jesus said, you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. And I think that's something, as believers, we all get. Justice, mercy, faith. We love all of that, right? Right? Yes. Praise God. Amen. So, this is what Jesus said. These you ought to have done. Justice, mercy, faith. Without leaving the others undone. Without stopping your tithing. Yes, Pastor Stephen. Uh, justice, mercy, Grace, I'm, I'm a grace man. I don't tithe. No, no, no. Jesus said, "Without leaving your tithing undone." <laughs> right, Pastor Stephen. If Jesus just told me the to tithe, I'd do it. Okay, there it is. Matthew twenty three, twenty three. He told you the to tithe. He told you the to tithe. Mm. Now, now, if he didn't want anybody to tithe, this would have been a great opportunity to say, "Now, now, Pharisees." I see that you're over here tithing according to the Mosaic law. But really, now that I'm here, you don't have to do that anymore. You can stop doing all of that. All I'm interested in is mercy. I want you to go show mercy. He could have said that if he wanted to say that. But he said, show mercy, give attention to the weightier matters, but keep on doing what you're doing with the tithing. Don't leave that undone. By the way, tithing is an elementary teaching in the Word of God. If you struggle on tithing, uh, you're, you're really stuck on the ABCs. This is an elementary step of faith, praise God, that brings you into the covenant of God, that ties you into the prosperity of God. I really think that we should tithe on everything uh, where money touches our hands. I believe we should tithe on our income. I believe we should tithe on our gift money. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that if you get an inheritance, you didn't think that old uncle of yours had any money. But here he comes giving you a check for $800,000. And you're like, well, he had some money after all. And I I believe you should give the tithe on your inheritance. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Anytime money touches your hands, anytime you are blessed, I believe you need to think about, I need to get the tithe out of this First. I go on my shopping spree with it. You know, when I go out and travel and I minister, and, and uh, let's say I go uh, to a different country or a different state, and they give me an offering. Not the ministry, they make it out to me. If they make it out to the ministry, all of it goes to the, to the ministry. But if they make it out to me, who does it come to? It comes to me, the person, right? It comes to me, the person. What is the first thing I do when it comes to me? I take it, and I pull that tithe out immediately. I have a tithe file that the tithe goes into. And I tithe on, me, me and Pastor Kelly do this, everything that comes into us personally, we tithe on it. Can you say praise the Lord? Mm. Without leaving the others undone, the tithing on the things that God has blessed with your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. A very... Um, very godly man. I really love him a lot. Uh, Prophet Kenneth Copeland uh, drove home one day. This was, this was decades back. Drove home one day, and there, to his surprise, in the parking lot of his driveway are two brand new Mercedes Benzes. He can't understand for a moment what's going on. He realizes there's a note that explains this is a gift from a businessman One for him, one for Kenneth Copeland, one for his wife, Gloria Copeland. This is what most people would do. Most people would read the note. Oh, I've just been given a Mercedes Benz. They would run. They would scream. They would holler. That's okay, right? They would text all their friends. They would start taking pictures and and send it to all their friends. Look at the Mercedes God has blessed me with. You know what Kenneth Copeland was doing? He's standing there trying to figure out how he can pull a tithe out of this. And tithe on the two vehicles. Do do you see what I'm saying? Do, do you see the heart condition? Do, do you see the uh, the situation where God looks on the heart? He's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. And He'll so bless your ninety percent. He'll so bless your ninety percent. I remember one time uh, it, it was Sunday morning, and I go to I, I go to the church, and I'm getting ready to preach. The the service hasn't started yet. And um, one of the church members had his own vegetable garden. And so he had brought some tomatoes and was passing out a few extra tomatoes to some of his favorite friends in the church building. But I noticed that when it came time to receive the tithes and offerings, no tomatoes showed up. Do you follow what I'm saying today? Are you hearing me on the internet where, Pastor Stephen, God's not interested in tomatoes. Nobody is interested in you tying into the covenant of prosperity that's established through honoring the Lord with your finances. Mm. Is it that I'm really hung up on tomatoes? Look, I can go to the grocery store and buy tomatoes. I I, I, I was, in my heart, saddened that this brother would not honor the Lord with tomatoes and bring the tithe of the tomatoes into the... Um, into the storehouse of the Lord. Now, I can only maybe eat one or two tomatoes. I'll just give the rest away. But the thing is, it's that it's a principle. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a principle. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anything that touches your hands, a gift, a blessing, you need to think, Lord, how can I get a tithe to you? I want to get a tithe to you. And you need to tithe up front. Tithe up front. Don't wait till you pay all your bills. Okay? And then you're trying to figure out how you can get God a tithe. No, honor the Lord first. Well, Pastor Stephen, I can't because I'm in, I'm in a mess. But that's why you're in a mess. Because you're putting God way down here at the end. Maybe an eighth or ninth in line after everything else comes first before the Lord. That's not technically what the first fruit is, when it means to uh, pay the tithe first. But it does give reference to that. Really the first fruit... If you stop and look at it, is that when the Israelites brought in the harvest, let's say you bring in a bumper crop, and you just, you've got like acres and acres to harvest, well technically what a first fruit is, is just going out there and grabbing some of the initial harvest, it literally could be a handful, and you, you take it, and you bring it to the priest, and you say, look, there's a lot more coming. I haven't even separated the tithe from the other 90%, but this is just a first fruit, and I want to get this into your hand right now, up front. That's what a first fruit is. But I believe that we always need to take care of kingdom business first. Does that make sense? Praise the Lord today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people that as they honor you with the tithe, first, and they sow seed as your Holy Spirit leads them. I thank you, Father God, that the windows of heaven are opening over their life, and that you are rebuking, rebuking that devourer who had tried to break in and cause damage. He's being rebuked because your people are in covenant relationship with you. Father, we give you praise. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Now, those of you that want to honor the Lord with your tithes and offerings and to do so online. You want to bring it in online, you can do so right now. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, and you can click on that and bring them in. They come immediately into the storehouse of God. If you want to mail in your tithes, your offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456. Mooresville, North Carolina. Our zip code here is 28117. All that information, of course, is also available on the website. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, can I go to heaven and not be a tither? Yep. You can go to heaven and skip all kinds of things. You can go to heaven and have all kinds of uh Things that you never overcame in your life. But if you want to walk in destiny, and you want to be all that God has called you to be, then I want to encourage you to tap into God's covenant principles, because you're going to need some money while you're on this earth to do what God has called you to do. Can you say yes? Praise God. Amen. Father, let your blessing touch your people now, in Jesus' name. Say amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, today, let's go over to Matthew chapter 11. Hmm, Woo. Ooh. Hallelujah. I feel like in the spirit, we're going to do some hunting. I know some of you maybe are' sweet uh, vegetarians. You're sweet vegans. You don't even eat fish. You don't even eat butter. God bless your precious little heart. But I feel there's something today in the spirit realm, in the spirit realm, not in the natural realm, in the spirit realm where you're going to hunt and you're going to take something out that has been causing great danger, perhaps even havoc, destruction in your life. We want to talk about that today. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your word would be quickened to us by your spirit. By your Spirit, let us catch the revelation of your Spirit in Jesus' name. And, to, and together we all say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, Jesus speaking said, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers what? Spa treatment? Hmm. Suffers... Uh, Suffers extended vacations. No. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Say the word violence. Say it again with a little bit of violence. Say violence. Hmm. Amazing. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent, take it how? By saying pretty, please? <laughs> By saying, please, if you give it to me, I'll give you a lollipop. No. The violent, take it how? By force. Now, when it says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, one translation says the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. Hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I believe that anytime time that we move out of something that, that is not God's best for our life, that when we move out of something negative that what we have to do is that we have to move into the kingdom of heaven, move forward, and come into this kingdom way of operating, and you will notice there's resistance. There's buffering from the enemy. And so what you have to do is you have to say, I'm going into the things of God. I'm coming out of the things of the kingdom of darkness. And if I have to get a little bit violent in my spirit, I'm going to do just that, because the truth is, is that you'll never come out of something bad until you learn to hate it, and actually, until you actually start getting mad at it. Can you say yes? Mm Mmm, Listen to what I'm about to say to you. Anything that you tolerate in your life is never going to leave your life. Did you hear that? Anything that you tolerate in your life will never leave your life, praise the Lord. There needs to be a, a holy uh, force of violence where you say, I'm done with this, I'm coming into the kingdom way of doing things, and there's actually a, a holy anger against anything of darkness that would try to hinder you from coming into God's best, Do you see what I'm saying today? That's really what the Lord is trying to say. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. There is something where you stir yourself up, and you say, I'm going forward, and God is with me. Can you say yes? Praise God. I want you to see something very interesting in the book of, um, uh, let's go... Let's see here. Let's go to the book of Ezra. Isn't this fascinating? Ezra chapter 9. Lord, we give you praise today. Ezra chapter 9. Ezra and Nehemiah were both uh, working together. You have the first exile, the second exile. Uh, Nehemiah working strongly on the third uh, exile of the people of God coming out of captivity. But I want you to see something in Ezra chapter 9, and let's go over the verse 8. Verse 8, and now for a little while, grace, say grace, you can find God's grace under the Old Covenant if you look. Grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in His holy place. That our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a measure of revival in our bondage. Now say this, say measure of revival, say measure of revival in, watch this, even in our bondage. Can you be experiencing revival, a measure of it, and still have bondage in your life at the same time? Absolutely, positively, you can. That's why you want to go from a measure of revival into full revival. Woo! Very, very interesting. Move to the right to the next book, the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter five. And say this today. Say I'm coming into full revival glory. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Hallelujah. Mm mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. Woo! Hallelujah. I've had an encounter in the heavenly realm. I've got something to say to you today. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Nehemiah chapter 5. Understand the context. Nehemiah, the cupbearer to the king, has been released from his royal service there at the court of the king and has been given divine permission to go back to the land of the Jews And now, uh, Nehemiah can go back with another remnant group, and they can begin to, uh, or not begin, but to continue the work on Jerusalem. The walls are crumbled. The houses are crumbled. Everything is a mess. Everything has got to be rebuilt. Some work has already been uh, uh, going on through uh, Ezra, where we were just at. A small measure of revival, but there's still so much to do, so much to do. And they are making the journey all the way from Babylon, all the way back to the land of Israel as we know it. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1. And there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against, not the heathen, against their own Jewish brethren. Mmm, trouble in the church, trouble in the church. Verse 2, for there were those who said, we, our sons and our daughters, are many, therefore let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were also some who had said, watch this, we have mortgaged our land's And vineyards and houses that we might buy grain because of the famine. When you have to mortgage and go into debt just to get a loaf of bread, there's trouble. I don't care what kind of a revival you're having. Grandma got saved. uh, Uncle so-and-so got saved. He ain't drinking no more. He's coming to church now. But when you're you're having a measure of revival, that's nice. But when you got to go into debt to buy a loaf of bread, you are not in full revival. Sure is quiet today. Mmm. Is this the B-I-B-L-E? It's the book for me. Oh, praise God. My friends, God wants to do a miracle in your life. Say yes. Mmm. Verse 4. Verse 4. There were also those who said, watch this, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards. So the tax that's due to the king... They don't even have the money to pay the tax. Okay, we don't have money to buy food. We gotta borrow to buy food. Now, the taxes are due. We certainly don't have money for the taxes. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna plunge ourselves further in the debt. We're gonna mortgage everything that we have: our lands, our fields, everything. Mortgage our kids, mortgage everything. Because we gotta we gotta pay our taxes now. Mmm. Very interesting. Verse five. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children, and indeed we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. Now look, look at verse 6. This is Nehemiah. He was a little bit rough, a little bit gruff. Read the latter part of the book. He grabbed the Jews by the beard, slap them around, got mad. He a, he's a a, had a little bit of a rough edge. Holy Spirit can make you like that sometimes. I know there's a sweetness. I know there's the tenderness of the lamb. I know there's the quiet singing of hallelujah. But there's other times the Holy Spirit stirs you. And you, you have a different anointing of the Holy Spirit upon you. Verse 6, and I became angry. Say Angry. Some things will not leave your life until you get mad at them. I'm talking about negative things, uh, harmful things, hurtful things. And if you tolerate it, it won't go anywhere. But it starts to turn. It starts to turn when you say, we're dealing with this now. And you start to get angry at it. I became very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. He was a big guy. Nehemiah was a big man. He was the governor over the city, and he's trying to get things in order. and uh, And and here's the problem: we're trying to rebuild a broken, burned down city. We have come from Babylon here. Now we're out of Babylon, but we can't get the Babylon out of us. We are enslaving each other with interest and taking even our our own relatives and children into slavery. Oh, it was horrible. And Nehemiah, when he found out what was going on, he he realized, we have a problem. Yes, the walls are torn down. We're going to have to do all this work. But our own people are ripped and torn to pieces because of the spirit of debt. The spirit of debt has just torn us to pieces. And it's merciless. We are even enslaving our own people. It's not like we're even doing this to the heathen. We're doing it to ourselves. Hmm he got very, very angry. Very, very angry. And he called them all together. He called all the rulers, called all the bankers, called all the people together, and said, This is wrong what you have done to your own brethren and your own sisters. This is very wrong that you have done. And he brought the heat, and you know what? They all repented. And he was almost like going to make them repent. (laughs) That's the kind of man he was. And they all said, you're right. You're right. We've gotten carried away. We're we're going to release everybody. And the land that we've taken from them, we're going to give it all back. And we're going to make this right in the eyes of God. Nehemiah was like, you better do it. Because this is evil in the eyes of God. This is wrong. This is wrong. And so, you see that there needed to be restoration among the people of God. Measurement of revival, yes. But how can you have full rebi- revival when you're drowning in debt? See, some people, that the, they, the, they want to stay up and uh, have an all-night Friday night prayer meeting. They've never done it, but they want to. But see, maybe they haven't done that, but they've had all-night worry sessions about their bills. They've had all, they stay up all, More people stay up worrying about their debts and their bills than they do staying up praying. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good here today. Praise the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 18. Now that which was prepared daily was one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowl were prepared for me. And once every ten days in abundance of all kinds of wine. Yet in spite of this, I did not demand the governor's provisions. This is Nehemiah speaking. He said, I didn't demand all these provisions. Why? Because the bondage was heavy on this people. He said, Lord, the people are in so much debt that the things that we as leaders need just to survive. Uh, I mean, this is a man that served in the king's court. He he said, I'm not even going to demand that they are so oppressed. They are so, they are such an oppressed people. And it, it, it grieved him, and it grieved him so that's why he dealt strongly with it. He got angry at the spirit of debt. See, what has happened is that the spirit of debt that works in the world has found its way into the church and is decimating the church. It has been working now on the church. The spirit of debt has been attacking the church now for four generations. Did you know that your great-grandfather didn't have a FICO score? Am I telling the truth? Mm -mm. They didn't even know what that stuff was. But today debt has become common to the point where everybody's in it and it just seems to be normal to be in it. Praise God. And I'm not condemning anybody that would have debt. I'm here today to say that God has a way for you to get out. Can you say amen? Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. Today we give you praise. But the spirit of debt you have to get mad at it, or else you're going to be running on the treadmill of debt for the rest of your life. And you'll think, I'll get off in five years when I get this paid off. When I get that paid off, I'll finally get off. But it, 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 see, you never get mad at it, and you never, you never make a commitment where you say, I'm not going into it anymore. So five years passes, and you find yourself still in debt. Why? It's a spirit, and it's very deceitful. It's very deceitful. It's very deceitful. But if you go back generations and generations in America, it didn't work like it does today. People basically, they made purchases when they had the money. But what has happened is that uh, the ability to buy things on credit and have credit extended has gotten so advanced with technology that it's very, very easy to get into it, but very, very hard to get out. Why? There is a spirit behind it. There is a spirit behind it. Behind it. Mm. You know, I have been there in Berlin, Germany, where the double-leaved doors of Babylon are actually located uh, there in a uh, beautiful museum in Berlin, Germany. These are the doors that the Jews walked through when uh, Nehemiah and Ezra led them back to Israel. See, what happened is that you had the Babylonian Empire there in Iraq. Next door you had Iran, Iran, and the Medes and the Persians, which we know as the Iranians, they like to be called Persians, the Medes and the Persians eventually conquered mighty Babylon. And when they took over, the, the Persian king told the Jews, you can go back to the Holy Land, you can go back to your land if you want to. Oh, but they came. They came back, but the ways of Babylon have now been ingrained of exacting interest and doing all of these Babylonian things. It has gotten into their spirit, and they go back, and although they're out of it, they're still operating under the spirit of it. Praise God. Can I show you something very interesting in the book of Daniel? Turn with me to the very prophetic book of Daniel, chapter 7. Is this helping you today? I got, I got a yes way back there in the in corner somewhere. Praise God. Amen. Now listen today, because God's going to do a miracle in your life. Hallelujah. I've been in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord's been speaking to me. Uh, your situation is on His mind, and He's got a solution for you. We are in Daniel chapter 7. Look at verse 5. And this speaks of the Persian Empire that eventually conquered Babylon. Verse 5. And suddenly another beast... A uh, Second, like a bear. Now, notice it says, like a bear. This is not a real bear, but it's something that looks like a bear. I would call it a demonic bear. You know, um, archaeologists, uh, paleontologists even, they dig up these fossil remains. And uh, even in here in North Carolina, they have dug up, These ancient skeletons of bisons. Now, if you go out to Yellowstone, Wyoming, or Montana, and you see a bison uh, today, you know, their shoulders come up to about here, the hump on their back, and they're they're pretty big, maybe weigh 2,000 pounds, but we've got fossils here in North Carolina of bisons where their shoulders were 20 feet high. These were massive creatures that used to roam this area of this continent, but they have also found these extinct fossils of these animals. Uh, you know, you have the modern-day wolf. There was this creature called the dire wolf. is a wolf bigger than your SUV. How'd you like something like that to come chasing you in a pack? <laughs> and these things were real. I mean, we, 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 there's the fossils. There's, there's a lot of proof, and there's a lot of the bones out there. These, these things were ferocious. Powerful jaws, very mean. And a... Uh, super amped up level of what we see today. Of course, they're all extinct. But there was also this bear that uh, sometimes is referred to as the dire bear, D-I-R-E. And this thing, uh, this thing was something you never would have wanted to have met. This this is the kind of thing that spears bounce off of. This was a bear that makes a grizzly bear look like a little, you know, like a little puppy. This thing was ferocious. And uh, uh, honestly, when you read about it, you think, well, I don't, how would you have killed this thing back in uh, what we would call prehistoric times? Oh, a ferocious bear. But in the spirit realm, that's kind of like what Daniel was seeing, what we would call a dire bear. It's more than just a mean animal. This is some, some type of evil principality spirit in the form of a gigantic ferocious bear and suddenly another beast, a second like a bear. It was raised up on one side, and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, to the bear, Arise, devour much flesh. Theologians will tell you this is referring to the the empire of the Medes and Persians. Arise, devour much flesh. The spirit, the principality of debt looks just like despair, because I've seen it. Praise the Lord. I was taken in the Spirit last night, and the Lord took me and showed me what the Spirit of debt that rules through nations. Now, you understand the Spirit of debt is under the, the jurisdiction and control of Satan, who is the prince of the power of the air. But he has very... He, the, Satan has a government. He has, he has an invisible kingdom. And these very powerful ruling principalities, wicked spirits in the high places, they rule. They rule over nations and over territories. And they try to get into the nation. And if they can, they even try to get into the church. And the Lord showed to me last night what the spirit, the principality of debt, actually looks like. And you know what it looks like? It looks just like this bear. Something you would never, ever want to meet. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. That's okay. (laughs) You don't need to mail me a pillow. It's okay. The Lord had me up. And uh, even as sometimes Daniel would see these things, it's just, just like, you can't go back to sleep. Very, very disturbing. Because I saw, I saw with my own eyes, the spirit of debt eating and chewing God's own people. Arise, devour much Flesh. That was what was said to the bear, and I saw this bear. Just this thing was gigantic, and it was evil, and it was radiating evil, and it was mean, and it was it was so powerful and big, and it was eating God's people, chewing them up. And there's a whole bunch of Christians standing around, without number, Christians, without number, all had guns, all had weapons. And nobody would pull the trigger on the thing. And I'm trying to say, if we'd all shoot it, we could kill it. (laughs) But the problem was, some of them didn't even know if they were supposed to shoot it. Others were afraid because it would move real fast. Just devour people. It was was graphic. It was awful. But it was real. Daniel would see things like this. But... But the problem was, is that the church would not unify and recognize it as an enemy and take it out, because if if the members all would have shot at the same time, could have killed the thing. Mm. And I saw, you know how there's different occupations? You have, you have firemen, you have policemen, you have school teachers, you have politicians, you have, I saw all kinds of occupations, people representing various occupations, being eaten and chewed up by this, by this spirit of debt. And these were believers. These were, believe- these were God's own people. Can you have a measure of revival and still be in bondage? Yes, you saw that in the book of Ezra. You absolutely can. But God wants you to have total freedom in every area of your life. Can you say yes? I'm not concerned about the loonies and the crazies out there. You see them on TV. We get a new Supreme Court Justice, and you see the fanatics and the loonies banging on the doors of the Supreme Court trying to tear it down, cursing, screaming, blaspheming, profaming the name of God. You see them have their their, their marches in D.C. wearing costumes, dressed in body parts, saying, I just had an abortion, And, and they're proud of it, just perversion celebrating every type of wickedness and perversion. I'm not concerned about them. I know know there's witches and there's warlocks and they want to put hexes and curses against the president and and against the church. I'm not concerned about any of that. Why? Because almost all of them are in debt. And they're going to go further in the debt. Why? They're all tied into the world system. They're all tied into the world system. So they can show up for a march. They can show up for a rally. But then they've got to go back to work. Why? Because they're all in debt. God's going to bring his people out of debt. And the freedom, the freedom is going to be amazing. Because we're going to be able to give, we're going to give a a degree of attention to the preaching of the gospel unlike anything the church has ever seen before. Woo! Watch it. I'm talking full revival. I'm talking more than just your body getting healed. Mm -hmm. Mmm. Mmm. Full revival. Praise God. Today, you're going to pull the trigger. You're going to take that spirit out. Praise God. And he's going to fall. You have to see the spirit of debt as being a spirit. There is a spirit behind debt. There is a spirit that operates behind debt. And it's not a good spirit. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. Hallelujah. So you shall know the truth. And it's the truth that you know that makes you free. I believe in miracle debt cancellation because I've had it happen in my life. I've had things that, I, that I've looked at, and on paper, that's going to be in my life for the next 20 years. And I've had it gone overnight, overnight. It's gone. The whole thing's gone. Woo! Where'd it go? It's gone. Can't find it anywhere. I know what that feels like. I've, I've seen God do it more than once. Praise God. I believe God's going to do a miracle for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many of you like Dave Ramsey? A wonderful Bible teacher, one of the leading Bible teachers uh, 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 in the world concerning biblical economics, how to get out of debt, and how to build up savings. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I don't know what Dave Ramsey's theology is like concerning what we would maybe say Pentecostal viewpoints. For instance, I, I don't know if Dave Ramsey talks in tongues. He probably doesn't. That's okay. I don't know if Dave Ramsey has visions of angels when he's in church. I, I don't think he does. I don't know if Dave Ramsey believes in divine healing. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. I, I don't know. But I know that he teaches biblical principles, and if you will just work the principles you begin to touch the supernatural power of God. Did you catch that? How many of you have ever seen the, uh, the Airbus A380? When, when it's parked on the tarmac, the weight of that plane is almost 1.3 million pounds. It weighs over a million pounds. Let's say you didn't know anything about flight. You didn't know anything about lift, thrust, all of this stuff. But as a layman, you just look at that. You look at all of that aluminum, all of that metal. And you look at that, and you think, that weighs over a million pounds. There's no way to get that thing in the air. You can't get a million pounds up into the air. You you would think there's no way. Let's say you've never seen it before. Uh, You take somebody from the 1600s, teleport them in time, and you have them look at that. They think, there's a giant piece of metal. You'll never get that in the air. But see, the A380 does not fly by miracles. Can you say yes? It flies by what? It flies by principles that govern the laws of aerodynamics. And if you work those principles, what happens? You start going up. Some of you should get excited. Mm -mm. It works by the laws that govern flight. Those laws that God created in the earth allow that one million pounds of metal to overcome gravity and to start flying, to start going up. And when you work God's principles, you overcome the spirit of debt and you start going up. And it will begin to even move into what I would call the supernatural. You may think they're just natural principles, but because they're God's biblical principles, you will still touch the supernatural, even if you don't even believe in visions today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. See, here's the thing with the Lord. On paper... If you were to add up all your debts, base it against your annual income, and look at it. On paper, the paper may say, according to your income, it's going to take you 18 years to pay off all your debts. Okay? It may look like that on paper. But when you begin to work God's principles, it starts... It starts, something supernatural starts to happen. And while the paper said you can't get out of this for 18 years, you work the principles, and you're out of it in eight months. Woo! Why? They're supernatural principles. And they will lift you just like it will lift that airplane up in the sky. All you have to do is follow the principles. Mm, Well, that's what we're talking about today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I believe as I'm sharing the Word of God with you today... That the Holy Spirit is making available to you a flight path to debt freedom. And I believe that path is forming right before your very eyeballs today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God's showing you the way out and He's showing you the way up. Woo! and you're going to fly higher than you ever thought. Mmm Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Throughout church history, you see that the kingdom of darkness has tried to make inroads into the church, and has sometimes even succeeded in such diabolical plots. I'd like to show it to you in the book of Exodus, and I'd like to show you also how God, over and over throughout church history, has delivered His people. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Go to the book of Exodus chapter 14. Are you happy today? Thank you, Jesus. Something miraculous is going to happen in your life. Mm. Exodus chapter 14, verse 5. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled. That would be the Israelites, right? And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people, and they said... Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? Now, hold on just a minute. What in the world were we thinking when we said, you know what? We know you owe all these bills, and we know that you've got, uh, you know, mortgages, and, and uh, you know, we, we know you've got all this, but just go ahead and go. And they were, they were like, now, wait a minute. What, what in the world were we thinking? Because they've already left with all of Egypt's stuff. And Pharaoh and them now, now that there's some distance between the Israelites and Pharaoh. Pharaoh was like, "Wait, wait a minute! What in the world were we doing? That's all of our stuff. They've got our gold. They got our silver. They got all. Of, they got. Our, they, they just completely plundered us." And this is very, very interesting. Verse six. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. You know. You know what I believe Pharaoh did right there. The the idea of just letting them go debt-free, he called a note on them and said, no, you don't. It's all coming back to us, and I'm calling your note. It's like, it's like having a mortgage on your house or something like that, and you get a call from the bank, and they say, we're calling your note. Well, I, I, well Hold on a minute. I got a 20-year, uh, a 20-year loan. Well, maybe you did, but there's fine print that says we can call your loan anytime we want. We're calling it now. You've got two days to get the whole thing paid off. That, I believe that's what he did. He changed his mind. They've already left and said, we must have lost our minds. We're going to get them all back. We're going to put them all back in slavery, plunge them all back into debt, get them all tied up like we've had them. And he said, let's go get them. Let's go get them. And so he rides out with a chariot. Verse 7, took 600 choice chariots, all the chariots of Egypt, with the captains over every one of them. And they hit out. They hit out. Verse 26 then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, this, uh, ooh, mm, one night, and one night, when the morning uh, appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. Now, what happens is when something is thrown into the sea, I'm not talking like metal or something like that, but something that's floatable, the next day it's going to get washed up on the beach, right? So now the Israelites are on the other side of the sea, and they get up in the morning. They get up in the morning, and there's, there's all the soldiers, that had wanted to kill them the night before. They're all dead. But guess who, guess who else is dead? Watch up on the shore. All the tax collectors. All the creditors. All the wolves. All the debt predators. They're all laying there dead too. And one night, a whole nation went free from debt. And one night, God set an entire nation free from debt. And if God can set a whole nation free, you know he can set you free. Mm Woo there's some dancing. Sister Miriam got the tambourine. Woo Mm-mm. Woo Why? We, we don't owe nobody any money. We don't owe nobody on the face of the earth a penny. Mmm Wow. Mmm. Wow. Get ready. You might as well practice your dance because it's gonna happen to you too. Mm, I just want to have a little tambourine set next to side. So when you write the final check, paying off the final debt, there's the tambourine ready to go. You're ready to go. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Debt-free, supernaturally. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, of course, uh, we have Old Covenant, New Covenant. Old Covenant, we think of the law. New Covenant, we think of grace. But even in the Old Covenant you could still see the tenderness and the mercy and the love, even the compassion of God. Why? Every seven years, even under the law, every seven years, still, every debt was canceled. And property went back to its rightful owner, and just just in case there were a few crooked people that would try to still, you know, work their way around that, Every 50 years you had the great jubilee. And everything for certain goes back then to its rightful owner. Every single debt is canceled. Slaves go free. Hallelujah. Jesus is your jubilee. And if that's baked into the law, what is baked into grace? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4 just for a moment. 2 Kings chapter 4. The spirit of debt will defeat you and deceive you no more. Praise God. No condemnation for those who have debt. But I'm just saying there's something better. Wouldn't you like to have the better? Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Wouldn't you like to be the head and not the tail? Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Bible tells us that the borrower is servant to the lender so you want to be the one that is in charge. Praise God. Second Kings, we are in chapter 4. Look at verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Now, um, things aren't quite as ugly as they could be back in those days. Back in those days, if you had debts and you died, it's still not over with. They're coming after your kids. (laughs) Uh, You know, today if you die, you're pretty much off the hook, right? They're not going to come get your kids. They're not going to come get you uh, and somehow make you responsible for that person's debts. Uh, You know, when that was the person that ran them up and stuff like that. But nevertheless, here you have... A servant, even of the prophet. Did you know that even Christians can get themselves into financial dilemmas? Do you know that even prophets can? Do you know you can sing in the choir, still be in debt? Praise the Lord Jesus. And I believe all this high blood pressure, stress, insomnia, that a lot of the things the church is dealing with is because of financial disease, debt. And I believe that one of the reasons that this, this servant of the Lord, the servant of the prophet, I believe one of the reasons he died is because he had heart problems related to the f- stress and pressure of his financial condition. I believe it sent him to an early grave. I've seen it happen in real life. I had, I had a person call me one time. Pastor Stephen, please, please come over to my house. Uh, I, I, need your, I need your prayers. Okay, so I, I go over to the person's house. Sitting in the house, brother, what's wrong? Now, now everything looks great in life. Everything looks beautiful in life. What's wrong, Pastor Stephen? I, I need to need you to pray for me. What's going on? He said, "What well, I'm about to tell you, nobody knows but God." I said, "You can you can tell me." He said, "He said not even my wife knows because I keep the I keep the books." He said, "The family thinks there's." this amount of money in the account. Almost a million dollars. Cash. That's what the family thinks. Why? Because that's, that's what used to be there. He said, what they don't know is I've been doing things with the money and there has been a lot of loss and they don't know it. There's zero in the account and the bills are coming up in about 20 days and nobody knows it, but there's no money. No money for the mortgage. There's no money for For the vehicles, there's no money for anything. And he he told me how we got lured into something, and the money began to get drained. And then the thing he got lured into never panned out. And now all the money is gone. And he said, Stephen, he said, nobody knows it. My wife doesn't even know it. And we're about to go over a financial waterfall. And I, I, I just encouraged him. I counseled him. I said, now look. I said, I know you're under pressure. But God's bigger than your situation. If you turn to the Lord and invite the Lord into the situation, He can help you get out of this. And you know you're gonna you're gonna have to lower your uh, not just lower. You're gonna have to lose your pride. You're gonna have to share with your wife what's going on, and you're you're gonna have to uh, call out to the Lord. But I said I'll be right here with you the whole time. I'm here to help you. God can God can do a miracle and get you out of this mess. But he he got so over into worry. He got so over into worry and fear about the situation that he died within just about three weeks, dead. They called me, Pastor Stephen, please come pray for so-and-so, he's dead, he's dead. I go over to the house, the wife's in tears, and nobody could understand why would he die? Everything's going great, why would anybody... They, see, they, they, I was the only, only one that knew. He still had not told the wife. So I go over there. He's dead, physically dead. They're like, Stephen, please pray. We, we know you're a man of God. Please, please, please. So uh, I, go, I go over to the dead body. And I call his name. I said, and I spoke his name. And I said, brother, I said, come back in the name of Jesus. You know, the wife's weeping. The son's there beautiful, handsome son. And the dad's dead, sitting in the couch. Had a massive heart attack and died. I said, come back in the name of Jesus. And his spirit flew from heaven and came back and stood right by my hand, right by his nostrils. And would not go into his nose. Would not go back into the body. And he spoke to me. I know him he, because he's my friend. I... I was with him for many hours over the years. He spoke to me and said, Stephen I do not want to come back. And I said, brother in the name of Jesus, come back into your body. And he said, Stephen the spirit, his spirit was vibrating right next to my hand, right next to his mouth and nose. And I was expecting him to go right back into his body and revive. And he interrupted me and said, Stephen I do not want to come back. And his spirit left to go and be with the Lord. And the body's laying there cold and frigid. I go over to his wife and tell her exactly what happened. And she just wept because she knew it's a wrap. It's over. And then she found out later that there's this dilemma. There was this dilemma, this thing that he was hiding. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, God took him home early. No, he went to be with the Lord early. Do you see the difference? Because I knew what he was carrying. He, I wish he, you know, he would have allowed the Lord to help lift that off of him. Through repentance, through confession, through sharing it with his wife. And God would have delivered him. But he, he didn't. Uh, he just got into worry and fear and overwhelmed him. He had, had a massive heart attack and died. Mm. But chapter 4 is a good story. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God does a miracle. Sends the prophet... And there is provision, verse 7, that she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you, your sons live on the rest. How about that? That's paid off, and now you're in the overflow. That's how good God is. He can actually help you get out of debt, even if it looks impossible. Even if you have a mountain of debt, he can actually help you get out of it and get into the overflow. Mmm. Woo, thank you, Lord Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Mmm, 2 Kings chapter 6. Please move to the right. Two chapters. Are you happy today? Verse 1, And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Have you no expansion is good? Yes. Please let us go to the Jordan. Let every man take a beam from there. See, they're going to build a nice log cabin, school of ministry. Let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go, Draw off the blueprints. Good. Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. Always good to have a a miracle-working prophet in your corner, right? And so he said, Okay. He answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. Verse 5. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said something that up until that time nobody knew. Alas, Master, I got a big problem. That was borrowed. It was borrowed. You never—you came. Well, you came walking in the camp swinging at an axe. Boy, we, we thought you were the proud owner of a sharp, double-edged, polished axe. Well, we didn't know you. you never told us it was borrowed. Well, I didn't want nobody to know that. You know, I—I I just you know, I know it made me look like a real good to come in here walking like that. But we find out what's going on. We find out what's going on. <laughs> now that he hit a hiccup, now that he hit a hiccup and had a problem, he has no relief. He's playing too close to the line, and now suddenly he's lost the axe head, which was very rare in those days. This is like pulling up in the Rolls Royce, acting like you own it, but really the bank owns it. You just have to loan with the bank, and now he's got a problem, and he can't make the payments. Thank you, Lord Jesus. mm there's a problem. There's a problem. Be careful with borrowing. What is it about axes? What is it about tools? That time you lend them out, they just never seem to come back. Any other brothers ever had that? Well, what is it about tools? Brother, can I borrow your pliers? Sure. And they never come back. What is it about tools? They never come back. Seems there's something also associated with books. Brother, can I borrow that book? I don't have the money to buy it. Can I borrow it from you? Well, sure. Here it is. Can you bring it back two weeks? Well, of course, brother. I'm a man. Of, I'm a man of my word. And then two years go by, and the book has never come back. It's never come back. Praise the Lord. Mm. Easy, easy to slip into these things. No condemnation. Easy to slip into this. Uh, these things. This is one of the sons of the prophets. Pastor Brooks, I can prophesy. Watch this. Here I go. Get ready. He could prophesy. School of ministry graduate with honors. But he has a problem. He is now in debt. Oh, oh, that's okay. This is what many people would do. Brother, where did it fall at? It fell into the Jordan River. Mm. Luckily, brother, that we have one of our other school of minister prophets, he's certified as a scuba diver. We're going to get him in there right now. Swim, brother. Swim. Find it. It's, It's just not going to happen. As you know, the, there's areas where the Jordan River can be real skinny, and there's other areas like where they're building at. It can be, it can be, you know, over 100 meters wide, and it's just you're, you're never going to find it. It's, it's too dangerous. Just look, look. We're going to have to look to the Lord. We're going to have to look to the Lord. I want to tell you that you look to the Lord. God can help you. God can get you out of any situation of debt. Can you say yes? So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the the iron float. Uh, I think it's funny what the King James Version, the 1611 Version says, it says, the iron did swim. I think it was doing a backstroke personally as it came to the top. No, not really. But it floated up. Here's iron. Remember, this really is in that era of the beginning of the Iron Age. And very few people had these amazing iron weapons and implements. It was something special to have an iron axe. But there it is floating to the top and the, the prophet says, reach out, grab it, and take it. And he does. And he has made the recovery. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God's going God's to do something. Well, he begins to work in your life, and He's going to accelerate you on the path of debt freedom. And all of your debts are going to be paid off for the glory of the Lord. Pastor Stephen, you need, to, you need to give a spiritual message today. You need to teach about the blood of Jesus. Pastor Stephen, you need to teach about water baptism. Pastor Stephen, you need to teach on spiritual stuff. We don't need this. Yes, we do. Praise the Lord. This is about as spiritual as you can get. Years back, when I was a young man in my my 20s, a guest speaker came to the church. He was a missionary with the Wycliffe Bible Society of Bible Translators. And he spoke so wonderfully about taking the gospel to the remote parts of the world. And I I loved it. I, I ate it up. I could see somehow myself, maybe, going on a plane to a distant land. I could see those living in areas where they've never even heard of the name Jesus. They've, they don't even know what the word Bible means, but yet this man was involved in getting the Bible into their own native tongue, and he was involved in going into those remote areas in it. Oh, I loved it. Fascinated me, intrigued me. And I told my pastor, I said, Pastor, I said, I'd like to talk to the man of God that spoke today. I said, I said, can we, uh, he and I like talk. He said, Brother, he said, I'll send him to your house today. Be ready. He'll come at one o'clock. Well, that was easy because I lived right behind the pastor. I was renting a little bitty efficiency from the pastor. So as soon as the great, uh, the great man of God, who was the Wycliffe uh, missionary, finished lunch at the pastor's house, he just walked 30 feet over to my little place. Now watch this. He and his wife come into my little bitty efficiency. I had a little bitty cot bed. Um, I had a little bitty icebox refrigerator that was about two feet tall, and I, I had one toilet, and one shower, and one closet. That was, the, that was it. Maybe th- maybe two hundred fifty square feet. Mm. They come over. They sit on the little cot bed, and I just leaned against the wall, and. Uh, the, the minister said Stephen me and my wife understand that you're interested in missions that you have a heart for reaching the lost with the gospel I said yes I said I think about it all the time I pray and I, I just would love to be involved in something like this now watch this watch this they said would you like to be involved in preaching the gospel like what we do and sending the word of the Lord to the lost I said, to the lost? I said yes yes They did not ask me. They did not ask. When they saw my sincerity, my desire, they did not ask me, What Bible college have you attended? They didn't ask that. They did not ask me, Are you able to read the New Testament in Greek? They did not ask me that. They did not ask me, Are you able to pronounce the word Hallelujah correctly in Hebrew? They they didn't do any of that. The husband sat on the bed international apostle, he looked at me and said, how much debt do you have? And I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting, how long do you pray? Are you able to quote the books of the New Testament in order? I was expecting something spiritual. He didn't go there. He just said, he just, let's, cut quite, let's cut right to it. You want to do this? He said, okay, God can work all that out. But in order to be able to go, you can't be attached. You've got to be free. You've got to be free. He said, how much debt do you have? And at that time, I shuddered. I dropped my head in shame. I did. When he asked me that, all the hope just went out like, like that. I felt like I was a balloon that just got pierced, and all the air went out. I stood there as if a mountain towered over me I stood there knowing that I was carrying the massive crushing load of $2,000 of debt you catch that but to me it seemed like I mean it had been like Moses parting the Red Sea I could not see a path I could not see how God could deliver me from $2,000 I laugh at it today I laugh at it today be like today, like stomping a cockroach. I laugh at it today. But then it crushed me. And I realized my desires for the foreign field, the mission field, the reaching the lost with the gospel, were blocked by $2,000 spirit of debt. He said, Stephen, when you get it in order, you want to go, your pastor knows where I'm at. We'll make it happen. But, oh, the mountain... Mm. Oh, the mountain. And then the spirit working. The spirit working over time, over years, took the 2,000, the 3,000, the 4,000, the 8,000, to 12,000. Mm. It's a spirit. As long as you play with it, you'll never get off its treadmill, even if you have good ambitions. Until, until you rise up with the spirit of faith that may have some, even some righteous anger, and you say, no more. Because I want to be free to serve the Lord. And I want to go on my terms, which are the Lord's terms. And when the Lord says, I need you in Israel to travel, or I need you at that conference, you go. Because you have the savings, and you're not tied down. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're free. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. So you see in the old covenant, even the grace of God. See, this is what some people do who don't understand grace. They say, Pastor Stephen, he's a son of a prophet. He should have read the Bible. He should have known the books of the Bible. And he should have never gotten himself in debt. That's his fault. Let him suffer with it. And let him learn a hard lesson. That's that's heavy law. Mm, mm. But yet, God sent a prophet. And God got him out of debt. God sent a prophet. Got the woman out of debt. The woman's sons... We're going to be hauled off as slaves. Mm. But God got them out of debt. There's a path of debt freedom that's opening for you today. You will soar above the spirit of debt, and you will come into a level of prosperity. That's what God has planned for you, because you're going to be flying by his kingdom principles, and they work for whoever will work them. Praise God. Can you say yes? please go with me. Just two more scriptures. Colossians chapter 2. Are you happy today? Something miraculous is going to happen to your financial situation. I see you being delivered from every single debt. Everyone. Even your home mortgage. It's going to go under. You're going to get out. Watch. Watch. Watch what God's going to do. Woo! Hallelujah. Colossians Uh, Let's go to Colossians chapter 2. I want to read this to you. Verse 14, please. I'm going to read, uh, we have the New King James Version. And this version, which version is this? This is the Holman Christian Standard Bible. I love this translation. You may want to pick up a copy sometime, but of course it's always available online. Uh, This is Colossians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 13. Let's begin with verse 13. This is the Holman Christian Standard Bible. If you read this in the Amplified Bible, which which is an expansion of the original Greek meaning, you'll see it there. You'll see it in many other translations as well. So let's look at it here. Verse 13. And when you were dead in trespasses, Paul talking to the, the Christian church in Colossae, when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh... He, God, the Father, made you alive with him, with Jesus, okay, and forgave us all our trespasses, all of our trespasses. What does it mean to walk on the somebody else's property? ...that has a fence up and says, do not trespass under penalty of law. What does it mean when you step across the fence and walk on their property anyhow? What does it mean you have done? You have now trespassed. You have broken the law of trespassing. So there are certain things God said, don't do it. It's like eating oranges. There is nothing in the law that says, thou shalt not eat oranges... But if it did say, don't eat oranges, and you ate them, suddenly you have broken the commandment of God. But it's not in there. So guess what? You can eat all you want. Bananas, cherries, there, there is no law against that. You're, in, you're free to indulge as much as you want. But if God said, this is wrong, and if you do it, it's a violation of my word, then you have trespassed against a commandment or a teaching of God. Okay, so through Christ we have been forgiven of all of our trespasses, verse 14. He erased, let's go into the, the, the Greek, the original Greek, he erased the certificate of debt. What is the certificate of debt? It's all the trespasses, all the violations of the law of Moses that you and I committed breaking it over and over, not just externally, but also in our hearts. <laughs> and so we had legally a certificate against us of everything we've ever done wrong piled up as a debt violation with a legal document that in a court that we would to be tried for if we had not had an advocate who could plead our case and give us an exemption through his shed blood. So Christ erased did away with the certificate of, get, of debt with its obligations, the requirements of the Mosaic Law, that was against us and opposed to us, and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Hmm. The certificate of debt that we had because of the debt of our sins was a legal debt certificate that when Christ went to the cross, Jesus said, I'll pay for that. Now, on the cross, He paid for all of your and my sins. That when you put your faith and trust in Him, then you find that grace to receive forgiveness from your sin. While He was also on the cross... He went ahead and paid the price for all of your sickness and disease. It all went on Him. So as Peter said, by His stripes you were healed. So by faith you can tap into that grace and also receive that privilege, that blessing as well. But there's other things He did as well. While He was on the cross, also He took the certificate of all of your debts And he paid for those also, if you'll release your faith and tie into that as well, you can be freed from debt. See, here's the thing about Jesus. When God looks at his people, when God looks at you, God looks at us from from knowing that nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, today is just a good day to, uh, I just think I'm going to go out today and murder somebody. No, nobody does something like that. Nobody that is a believer who loves God does something like that. Nobody wakes up in the morning that's a believer and says, you know what? It's a blue sky. It's a wonderful day. I just feel like robbing that bank down the street today. No, nobody does anything like that. So you don't have a heart to sin. Nevertheless, because we're human, we have a human nature, and we have to deal with keeping the flesh nature in a crucified state. Because of that, we still find ourselves making mistakes and coming up short of the glory of God. But God doesn't look down on us and say, you know what? You deserve to go to hell because of that. God, the Father, looks down on us and says, because of Christ, because of what Jesus did, the penalty that you did deserve does not now have to come on you because it went on him. So there is grace for those who are willing to receive it. Hmm... Here's, that, here's the thing. That grace is so good that when it's applied and you experience it, you know what? You don't want to sin anymore. You're just like, God, you're so good that I don't want to do that anymore. First of all, because it's wrong. It is a moral violation of your word. But, Lord, I also I want to live right before you, and, and I, want, uh, I want to live a clean life, and I want to get as close to you as I can. So let your grace also keep me keep me from going back into these things that would hinder my walk with you. Can you say yes? So here in the New Testament, we see a classic example of miracle debt cancellation. By the way, regardless of how big your financial debt is, let me just say that if Jesus could take care of your sin debt... I find your financial debt a much smaller issue. Does that make sense? Because there have been people that have murdered people i i i I know an evangelist that uh before he got saved, he was a hit man and uh he even told me a lot of these people are buried at a certain desert and and he he said don't 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 ever go camping there stephen That's <laughs> not a good place to camp at, <laughs> but he got saved and got born again and he, with all of his vile sins, received the grace of God. And now he's, he's, a, he's a fire-breathing machine. Just, he's, got, he's brought so many people into the kingdom of God. The great grace of God. So, let's look at one more example that shows us what Christ has accomplished for us at Calvary, and what is available for us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Because I do believe there are some that are watching me. Your debt literally goes into the millions, that's not something that God can't handle. God can help you get out of debt with his wisdom, with his strategy, with his favor, with his grace, with his blessing. This is not hard for him to do for you. Look to him and watch him lead you out swiftly and quickly for his glory. Praise the Lord today. Please go with me to the tiny little epistle called Philemon. The book, or it's not re- technically a book, it is a letter of that Paul wrote to a man named Philemon. And so, Paul is in Rome, Italy, and he bumps into Onesimus. Who is Onesimus? He is a runaway. Say, runaway. He is a runaway slave who has ran away from his master, Philemon. Now, here's the thing. Back in those days as a slave, if you ran away, they are going to come looking for you. And if they catch you, they are permitted by law to get back from you 10 hours of work for every day that you were gone on your runaway journey. Okay. So, theologians who study timelines and uh, study dates and things like that, the chronology of the early church, they believe through their understanding of church history, that when Onesimus ran away from his master, Philemon, that he was probably gone for 10 years. He was gone for 10 years working his way to get as far away as he can from his former master. Go somewhere where you are never, ever be found, and you are never, ever bump into anybody that maybe formerly knew you. And he gets all the way to Rome and bumps into, of all people, Paul the Apostle. <laughs> this is it's a small world. It's a small world. And they have to have a little talk. You have to have a little talk, and, and so Onesimus confesses all of this, and, uh, and what happens is that through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, this runaway slave gets born again. you got a problem, though. You accept it in the eyes of the Lord. You're saved and washed clean with the blood of Jesus, but you're still an outlaw. Your, your crime is still on the books. Hmm. Pastor Stephen, not even God can fix that. No, oh, the, oh, the Lord can work. The Lord can work. So Paul, knowing Philemon, knowing that years and years earlier, he's the one that led Philemon to the Lord personally, decides on the behalf of Onesimus to write a letter from where he's at all the way back to where Philemon is at, and you can read the letter that he wrote him. What does the letter say? Hey, your runaway slave showed up. And I met him. I found him. He found me in Rome. And we have developed a friendship. And I have actually begotten him as my own spiritual son. Wow. Not, not just as like a, as a disciple or like somebody under my mentorship. He says, I've put so much into him. He's become born again, that he is a son to me. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 17, if then you, Philemon, if then you count me as a partner, receive receive him as you would me, the preeminent apostle that everybody would know me by. But if he has wronged you, and obviously he has, or owes you anything, uh, obviously he does, Okay, so 10 years of wages are missing on the book. And for every day you're gone, 10 hours, you've got to work back. What does that mean? That means they catch you. You've got to work 20 hours a day. You sleep for four. That's not fair. How can I survive? You figure it out. That's your penalty. You've got to pay it. Sleep your four hours and get up, go back to work. That's just the way it worked. It was a hard, cruel world back then. <laughs> and even up many ways until the eighteen hundreds, until finally, in many ways, it was abolished. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, because obviously he does, put that on my account. And the moment he wrote that, Onesimus is technically debt-free. Debt-free. That debt is gone. I Paul am writing with my own hand. I will repay. Oh, oh! Not to mention that to you that I, I don't really want to bring this up, but uh, don't don't forget that. By the way, you wouldn't even be saved if it weren't for me having taught you the gospel. You'd be on your way to hell if it weren't for me. Just want to throw that in there. Just want you to think about that. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Hmm. God's got an apostle Paul in your corner. God's got a prophet in your corner. God's got a he has got somebody in your corner. God's got somebody in your corner. Somewhere. Somewhere to cause miracle favor to come to you. Mm. I haven't talked to her a while, a wonderful lady. International prophetess. Very powerful ministry. Signs, wonders, and miracles wherever she goes. Raised in sin. Age 15, lies on her job application to get a job as a cocktail waitress in in Las Vegas, Nevada. Doesn't know anything about the Lord, really. Doesn't know that one day she'll have an international ministry. All she wants to do is have fun and sin. She was engulfed in the Las Vegas lifestyle. Sin and all the the debauchery that goes behind closed curtains. Indulged in it. Working in it. A lot of organized crime, of course, that is there as well. But she has an encounter with the Lord. And she she wants to give her heart to the Lord... And God reveals to her this wonderful life that he has for her. By this time, she's in her early 20s, but because of all of the sinful living, she actually looked like, she said she looked like she was in her 40s. But nevertheless, God has come to her and said, I extend to you salvation. She said, Jesus, my life is a mess. It's a filthy mess. Jesus said, I can handle it. My blood can handle it. She gives her heart to Jesus, and she's born again. She's born again. She's saved, and she's on fire for God. I couldn't even begin to tell you all the people that she began to get saved there in Las Vegas. I mean, I mean, she's getting people saved that turned into ministers that begin to have churches, and, and I mean, it. She just became this tornado of evangelism. She's getting people saved at the at the roulette table, and, and it's just she's doing things technically you can't do, but she knows the culture, so she can she can walk in it, she can get away with it. But but God begins to pull strong on her, on her and says, begin to come out of it completely, and she wants to make make a total clean break. And she says, God, you've washed my sins away, you've given me a ministry, people are getting saved left and right, you you you're anointing me and and now you're calling me to the nations, but God, I've got a, got a problem. I've got a problem. I've got a big debt problem. I've got a money problem. So guess what she did? She pulled an Onesimus. She ran away, <laughs> right? If you can't figure it out, just run away, right? Leave all your problems behind. But how many of you know that when you get there, if you haven't dealt with it, where well, you're going, somehow we'll follow you because you're still the same person, even if you're on a different continent. Hmm. She decides one day, God, I can't take it anymore. I'm just going to get on a plane. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and this big debt that I owe to this crime, Lord, I, can't, I, I can never pay it off. I'm just, I'm skipping town. So she pulls an Onesimus. She runs away. She runs away. Gets on the airplane. The airplane's sitting on the the tarmac of Las Vegas. Planes filling up. She's like, God, get me out of here. Get get me out of here. Once the door closes and we get out, once we just get up high, God, it'll all be over with. She's sitting on the planes filling up. The planes filling up. The plane fills completely up except for one seat right next to her. And she says, God, God, get me out of here. Get me out of here. So they begin to close the cabin door. And she begins to get a little relief. But suddenly they, they, they don't fully close it. They reopen it. One more person has to get on the plane. And into the plane he comes. The big crime boss. This big hat. The style of clothing that he wears. I mean, this is the man that, that got the dark kingdom going on. All, you know, prostitution, illegal gambling, money. He comes onto that plane. He's just on on the plane to take a trip. He doesn't know, but he actually comes, and his seat is right next to her. And he comes and sits down and realizes she's trying to skip town. Mmm. How can you just feel that cold? Feel that, mmm. And he's not saying anything. She said he didn't say anything. He's he's a big man, got that hat pulled way down, and uh, he he he's not a man of talk. He's a man of action. He he got that hat pulled down, and she knows the gears are turning. She he, he she knows what he's like, but you know we're in public, so we can't we can't make things dirty. We have to do you know these if something's going to be done. She'll get taken out in private, something like that. The plane takes off. They're flying. The Holy Spirit's on her so strong, she just begins to pour out her story to him. She says, look, you caught me red-handed. She said, I was skipping town, and I know I owe you a lot of money, more than I could ever pay you back. But she said, please, I have given my heart to Jesus. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. You know all the stuff I was involved in. I was doing things, you know, running all this stuff with you. But she said I got saved, and Jesus has washed me by all of all my sins. And I don't want to do this stuff anymore. And I wanted a clean break. And it wasn't right that I tried to run away from you with all these unpaid bills. But I'm just telling you sincerely what happened to me. And you know what? I'll try to make this right somehow. I don't know how I could ever get this money, but I'll try to do it. But I'm sorry for trying to run away. But I just want you to know I'm serving the Lord now. I don't want to ever go back to a life of sin, a life of crime. And he never the whole time said anything. Never the whole time said anything. She pours it all out, leaves it there. The plane lands. They pull up to the gate. They open the do- the door for the people to get the deboard the plane. People stand up to get their luggage, their overhead luggage. He stand, you know, he stands up big and tall. Gets his briefcase, looks at her, tilts his hat up so he can look at her in the eye, and all he said was this: "Debt forgiven, baby." Grabs his case and walks off the plane. She never saw him again the rest of her life. And then launches into an international global ministry. Oh, hallelujah. God can get you out of financial debt. And some of you, breathe. You're not even dealing with the mafia. (laughs) Right? You're not tied into ways that you're talking about entanglements that, you know, the angels are going to have to like, okay, we're going to have to figure this one out. My friends, God can get you out of debt. It doesn't matter how big it is, how messy it is, how yucky it is. God can get you out of debt. And He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Praise the Lord. Just lift your hands to the Lord for a moment. And just say, God, you've done it all through your word. I believe you can do it for me. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. See, God wants to set you free... So that you can be more focused on Him. So that you can more freely serve Him without these distractions. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Let's just have some music for a moment, Shireen, some instrumental. Because there's an anointing. The angels are coming in. Some very, very powerful angels Uh, that are warring angels are beginning to come on the scene. And they're going to be released. They're going to be released to go into your life and to sever the chains of debt. Hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I believe in the wisdom of God, that whenever God's wisdom is revealed... There's always instruction in that wisdom. You cannot have wisdom without having instruction. I'm going to give you three instructions that the Lord gave me to help you step into debt freedom. Okay? It's very, very simple. But before we do that, let's take communion together. We need to just celebrate the Lord, worship the Lord. Those in the audience, the communion is going to be passed out to you. Those of you that are watching online, go grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. We're going to partake of the the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because a miracle, a true miracle, which I have experienced before my life, a true miracle is going to take place in your life. And God is going to help you get out of debt. I want you to get ready for it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah while you're getting your communion ready? Let me read a communion verse to you. Lord, we just give you praise today. Thank you, Pastor Kelly. Praise the Lord. Listen to this from Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. That's Paul's declaration. I've been crucified. Now now we know that Paul was not nailed to a cross. So this is his identification with what Jesus did for him at Calvary, which is what Jesus also did for you and I at Calvary. I have been crucified or nailed to a cross and put to death. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Okay, so with Christ living in you Would Christ be in debt to where he's worried, struggling, fretting about how to pay off certain debts and things like that? No. Praise the Lord. I believe he walked in freedom. I believe he walked in biblical principles. And he flew high. So that when the devil came to him, Jesus even said to those around him, he said, he's going to come, but he has nothing in me. That devil has nothing in me. There's nothing he, can hang, hang, nothing he can hang on me. Praise God. I see that the nature of Christ is being formed in you. God's going to bring you to a place where you're free from debt. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, I've never shared this before. But some of the holiest ministers, most of them not well known. Some of the holiest ministers I've ever met. I've noticed they're all debt free. Isn't that interesting? Because holiness also is linked to self control. Holiness is linked to identifying with Christ on the cross and yourself also being a person who's been nailed to the cross and your old life has passed away. So it brings a new sense of Jesus living through you, it brings a control you're just able to say no to things, because you're dead to them in the first place. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus. We consecrate it. Now, we thank you that as we receive it, we are receiving your anointing and strength. Father, as we receive the body of Jesus, we just say, we believe your word. Father, we just touch the surface area of the scriptures that would give expression to a better way a way of coming completely out of debt we thank you Father there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ so for those who are in debt you're just showing us a better way a way to fly high a way to break free from the gravity of the earth and certainly a way to break free from what would be considered even from the world's view toxic debt so we thank you Father God you're going to make a blessing for us A way into your very best. And we receive that way by faith as we now receive the body of Jesus. Let's partake. Lord, we praise you. Just say this, say, Lord, merge me into your kingdom way. God's kingdom, God's way of doing things. See, so many times so differently from the world's way. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that at Calvary full provision was made for our every need. So that although the world offers many options, we thank you for them. We thank you that you offer a gold standard and we reach for that. So, Father, through the blood of Jesus... We say we're coming into your very best for our lives. We thank you for freedom from debt. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, are you ready for three instructions? And you can write these down. Number one. On a piece of paper, you need to write down exactly how much debt you have. Here's why. Some of you think you've got $700,000 of debt. You actually sit down and add it all up. You're going to realize maybe you've only got 500000 Oh, you already had $200,000. So you need to know. See, it says in the book of Proverbs, be diligent to know. The estate of all your flocks. In other words, everything under your control and your oversight, you need to know. You need to know exactly how much debt that you have. So the only way that you can do that is to add it all up. I mean, anything that's debt. If it's not paid off, you need to add it up. Praise God. I want to ask no music just for a moment. So we're it all up. Okay. If it's your house, add it up. Your car, add it up. Student loans, added up, whatever it might be. So you need to get all into one place. All in the one place. You need to know what you're dealing with. You need to know what to shoot at, and you know, need you need to know how to pull the trigger. I do agree with Dave Ramsey that the best way to attack it and to pull the trigger against debt is take out your smallest ones first. Because you take them out first, you feel motivation. You feel that you've conquered something, and you begin to get momentum, and you begin to hit it, and you begin to hit it. So take out the small ones first, then go to the larger ones, and just keep hitting it and hitting it. But you need to view it as a whole picture, not just a whole bunch of you know debts here and there. Put it all together. What is your lump sum of debt? After all, if a person walked up to you and said, I want to pay off all of your debt. I feel led by the Spirit to do that. Tell me how much it is I want to write a check right now. I don't know. I don't know how much it is. You need to know. You need to know. Because this is what I want you to do. I want you to email me, okay? Or if you're going to mail me, I want you to mail it. I want it to be on a piece of paper. If you're emailing it to me, I want it, I want you to email me and tell, it, tell me what it is. It's because I want to pray for you. Well, Pastor Stephen, how, why do I need to tell you what my debt is? Well, if, I, if I'm going to pray for somebody who's physically sick, how am I going to pray for them if they don't tell me what to pray for? Where do you have a knee problem? You got a back problem? Is, you need prayer for your eyes? You have to be specific. So tell me what your debt is. What is that number? It will be completely private. Tell me what it is. I want to pray for it. I want to join my faith with you and believe that God is going to do a miracle to pay that off. Pastor Stephen, I feel uncomfortable Revealing that to you personally. Why? Why? Does it feel like a sin? Does it feel like you're confessing a sin? Do you feel like you're coming to a priest in a confessional line and you're glad there's a booth that you can hide behind and the priest can't actually see you? Uh, Father, I have sinned. What have you done, my child? Well, this is what I've done, and I'm just glad you can't see me. See, that's that's the way we feel about what, about sin, right? Okay. Some of you, maybe you feel like that. Why? Because it's, it's big. Maybe it feels wrong. Don't. Don't be embarrassed. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. Whatever that debt is, God's going to hit it. Just, just let me know what it is. I want to join my faith with you. And I, I, it's totally private. But I believe that God's going to pay it off. I believe that God's going to pay it off. It's $2,000, $2 million dollars. Send me something. Let me know what that debt is. See, you need to know what it is also. Praise God. Number two. This is very important. Two instructions. Excuse three total, but here's number two. Number two. Do not be involved in this if you're going to go right back out into debt. Yes, Pastor Stephen, I'm going to send it in, and I want you to pray for me, and then once it's paid off, boy, my credit score's going to go up. I'm going right back out there. I'm going right back out there, because I'm going to start refinancing again. I want you to make a commitment to the Lord that you will begin to work His principles and His method, okay? And I believe you will be so blessed, and you will see God work so quickly that you'll say, I don't need to do these other ways. Praise the Lord. I already know what some of you are thinking. I can sense it in the Spirit. How am I ever going to buy a house? How am I ever going to get a house if I I can't mortgage a home? If you've already got a house with a mortgage, stay there. God's going to help you get it paid off. But if you're not in that place, I'm here to tell you that God can still do a miracle for you, and He can help you if you'll just look to Him. If you'll just look to Him, He can surprise you and do things that you never thought possible. Praise God. But in order for us to come into agreement, I want you to make a commitment in your heart that, Pastor Stephen, this is what my debt is. I know you're going to be prayed for me. But, Pastor Stephen, I want you to know that I'm committing to fly by a biblical standard, that I'm going to be governed now by different flight rules, the flight rules of the kingdom. And I'm making my best commitment that I'm not going back into that system where I'm just Continually on a treadmill of debt for the rest of my life. I want off that, and this is my linking with you so that I can be involved in this faith project. If you're willing to do that, if you're willing to do that, I will pray for you. Praise God. Amen. Because if you're, if you're not willing to do that, the enemy will always offer something else that you can finance. It'll never, never end, and you'll go to your grave on that debt treadmill. Praise the Lord. So number one, let me know how much your debt is. You don't need to let me know what your debts are. I, I have no interest in that. Just let me know what your debt amount is so I can believe God to do a miracle in your life. Number two, I want you to make a commitment to no longer go into debt. You're at where you're at today. That's good. From this point on. Let's trust the Lord to take us into His kingdom method of operating and watch what He's going to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. This is a very timely message. This is a very timely message. The world, the ungodly people, they're going to go deeper and deeper and deeper in the debt. And it's going to become a great burden, a great stone upon them. Praise God. And eventually, there's not going to be a solution for it. And eventually, there will have to be a almost what we would call a restart with a global economic system, a global leader, and a global religion, and everything stitched together through one format. Praise God, and I believe we'll be delivered at that time. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Now. I have always found, number three, I've always found that it's good to release your faith, have something that allows you to release your faith. I want to give you the opportunity to sow a debt-free miracle seed, miracle seed, praise the Lord, that you can sow something into the ministry that will move the ministry forward and that you can see this as the seed where you broke with this world's system, and you said, Lord, I'm going to fly with you from this point on, and I believe you're going to keep me out of debt, get me out of debt, and I won't have to go back into it anymore. That as you release it, that will be the watershed moment of your life, where God releases his blessing. And I believe angels are going to come. Angels are going to come, and you will be brought completely out of debt. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, the ministry is growing the ministry is expanding. As many of you know, we also have a ministry center in Moravian Falls, North Carolina, and it needs a new roof. There's a church sanctuary. There is a fellowship hall, and the roof that is on there now, the shingles need to be replaced. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, that's easy. All those roofing companies, they offer financing. They sure do, and I don't want to have to go that route. Matter of fact, I'm not going to go that route. I already know we're not going to do that. But what I would like to do is I would like for this ministry to be able to pay cash for the new roof. It's $19,000. $19,000. I'm speaking to a global audience. $19,000, and we can pay cash. Of course, it won't be physical cash. it would be a check. You understand what I'm saying? But no debt involved at all. The, the work is done, and the whole thing is paid off. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. So what you're sowing into is a work that is a debt-free work, okay, because this work, we want it to be done completely debt-free, all paid off. So it's a good seed to sow. It's also something that's needed to be done. By the way, the roof has on it, uh, the new one that we put, will be put on it, a lifetime warranty. So until Jesus comes back... That roof should be there. Praise God. <laughs> and I like that. It's not a 10-year. It's not, it's not even a 50-year. It's a lifetime warranty. So it'll be a really good roof. $19,000. Anything that you sow as a debt-free seed for your freedom from debt goes 100% into the, the purchase and the installation of the roof for our ministry facilities. Praise God. You know what? We're being blessed we're blessed in Charlotte with our television ministry. We're blessed in Mooresville. God's blessing what is in Moravian Falls. You could say it like this. We're blessed in the city, and we're blessed in the country. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 28 is coming to pass. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Now, if you're going to mail in an offering, you're going to mail in a debt-free seed, I want you to write on your check, Debt Freedom. Okay, I want you to, on a piece of paper, you can put it on something, a piece of paper, tell me what your debt is. What is your debt amount? I want to know what it is. I will be praying for every single one of you. I'm going to carry that amount. Whatever you tell me that amount is, I'm going to carry it with me, and I'm going to pray over it. I'm going to pray over it. I'm going to believe that God's going to do a miracle in your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you can mail it in to the ministry, Stephen Brooks International. P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina 28117. Now, for those of you that want to sow a special seed, this is targeted seed for debt miracle cancellation, and you want to do it on the internet, you can go online at any time to StephenBrooks.org, hit that link called Tides and Offerings, but when you submit it uh, in that notation box, make note. This is a seed for miracle debt cancellation, okay? And you can also email me. Let me know what your debt amount is. I will be praying for you. If you want to email, email it to me, contact at stephenbrooks.org. Praise God. I believe that that roof is paid for in the name of Jesus. We will not owe a penny on it. Because we're not, we're not going to launch it until the provision is there. But I know it's coming. So whatever the Lord would put on your heart, whatever that amount is, just obey the Lord and do that. And that is your miracle seed for supernatural. God helping you get out of debt harvest. Praise God. Now, Father, I pray for every single person that is responding to this. Lord God, I'm asking that the spirit of debt... Be dealt with in their life. There's a spirit behind their debt. I pray, Father, that the spirit of debt right now, in the name of Jesus, be broken. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, ministering spirits, I see you. I see that you hearken unto the voice of the Word. I speak the Word of the Lord. I say, go forth and sever every satanic bondage of debt that would hold the people in bondage from doing the will of God go and sever the spirit of debt off of their life let mortgages be paid off let all credit cards be paid off all student loans be paid off All vehicle loans be paid off. Any loans, medical debts be paid off. Oh, God, do miracles, do miracles, do miracles untie that which cannot be untied before. Some of you need to sell some things. Some of you are waiting for properties to sell, and you already know that you could use that to pay off debts. Things are going to get untied. Things are going to begin to move. Thank you, Father. Let your angels go now, 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 in the name of Jesus. Let there be sudden grace applied. Let there be sudden miracles applied in the name of Jesus. This is a holy thing. God is setting you free for his glory. God is setting you free for his work. And you're going to be free. And you're going to have extra because you're working these principles. You're not only coming into that freedom. You're coming into overflow, overflow, overflow. Overflow, hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus, bless every seed, oh God, that your people are sowing now as those debt freedom seeds come in. Touch that seed. Let the miracle harvest come to them, O God. Let it come to them in the name of Jesus. And I proclaim over your life that you are coming out of debt, and you're coming out of debt quickly, that your debt freedom is being accelerated by the glory and by the grace of God. Look for it and expect it because it is being worked out now in your life in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands to the Lord begin to thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you glory and honor. Lord, thank you for your people that have a heart for your house, that have a heart for your kingdom, a heart for your work. Thank you, O God. Bless them, O God. Thank you, Father God. Bless them, O God. Yes, yeah, shit. Now, Father God, everything that they need, let everything they need, let their houses be beautiful, let their lives be beautiful. Thank you, Father God. Let them get the crazy discounts, the 70% off deals, the, the deals that are just amazing, the remarkable things, the, the favor the, in the right place at the right time. Lord, release miracle jobs to your people that would even pay them way more than even what they would deserve because it's your grace being poured out in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Father God. Let the young people not know debt. Even as we have generations and generations of of, of Americans now that have become accustomed to debt, let the new generation never know debt. May they never taste debt. May they go the path, oh God, of operating biblical principles. They don't need these other options of worldly standards. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Grace, grace, grace. Hallelujah. Now, right now, you can see the path of prosperity God has for you. You can see the path of prosperity God has for you. Glory, 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 glory. You're going in, and you're going in on this path. Praise the Lord. The door is opening now. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, Gently, just come stand here. I want to touch you just for a moment. Because of the anointing that's here. As I pray for uh, this dear sister. Who's believing God for a job breakthrough. And God's doing the miracle. Any of you that need a job. Maybe you don't have a job. Or maybe you're just kind of in search mode. Maybe you've already got a job. But you're searching. Because you're looking for a kingdom career job. Something that God plugs you into. That that pays you really well. That you love the work. And you can your talents and gifting can be utilized. As I pray for her and touch her, let that anointing touch you. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, touch gently. Touch your people now. Right jobs. Miracle jobs. High-paying jobs. I I would even say this by the grace of God. Paying you more than you even deserve. That's the grace of God. Father, we thank you. Now, take it in Jesus' name. Oh, amen. Just take that. Amen. Receive it by faith. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Expect to find it. Expect them to find you. Be praising the Lord all the time. Be praising the Lord all the time. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, we praise you. I believe we need to worship the Lord. I believe we need to thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Ashley uh, 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 Barnabas is going to get a great job. And it's something that's going to offset the years that the kinker worm, the palmer worm, the locust has eaten up. Uh, years that have been eaten up will be made up swiftly because of unmerited favor where God's going to bless him with a great job. And the Lord's not done blessing you yet either. So be looking for the sudden promotion that will come. There's more for you than what you thought. So, Father, we just thank you. We give you glory. Now, church family, Internet friends, let's worship the Lord as you worship. Those angels are working. Thank you for sowing your seed. Thank you for believing in this ministry and loving this ministry. My wife and I greatly appreciate you. And we will be praying for you and looking for your your notes so that we can join our faith with you. God's going to do a miracle in your life. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's thank Him. And as we praise Him, I'll step out, and I will see you back next time in the glory. Till then, be blessed, and let the Spirit of the Lord set you free forever from debt. God bless you. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.